Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Operation Climate. My name is Catherine and I'll be guiding you throughout this episode. If you're involved in the climate movement, you probably know that different communities experience the climate crisis in different ways, oftentimes depending on their identities, like race, socioeconomic status, etc. In fact, we just had a great episode on intersectionality in the climate movement. Check out our last episode, episode 40, with Leah Thomas to get some more background on this. So for this episode, we're talking about an identity that maybe a lot of people don't think about when talking about climate change, gender. Gender equality and climate change intersect in many ways. And in this episode, we're joined by my friend Alinka to learn more. My name is Alinka, and I use she, her pronouns. Alinka Drondo is a student at Wellesley College who is passionate about the intersection of climate justice and women's empowerment. I met her at the UN Foundation's U.S. Youth Consultation for UN Climate Strategy and was struck by her passion for climate and ability to articulate and recognize the connections between gender and climate. Blinka works with the organization Girl Up and the UN Foundation on projects related to the intersection of gender and climate. I talked to her about the importance of gender equality in the movement, her role as a young person in climate advocacy, and tips to advance gender equality in the environmental space. First, Let's learn more about Alinka's story. Her role as a young person in the climate advocacy space is endlessly inspiring. This is how her climate journey started. I was in a marine biology class and my teacher, he ended up having to leave halfway through the year because he got elected to the state house as a representative in New Hampshire. At the end of the semester, he was mentioning to us that all the work that we had put into our final projects and into our research and coursework was actually applicable outside the classroom. He was introducing a couple bills that were related to what we had talked about in class. He asked us if we want to go and testify for them. And I remember being really, really nervous and writing up my testimony and just walking into that room being like, what am I doing? Because, you know, it was a room full of, as our legislature is, mostly old white men. And there was definitely not another young person to be seen for miles. That opportunity to actually use what I had learned in class for something tangible was really inspiring. And the fact that it was a perspective that wasn't actually being talked about at all in that room. And it felt important to be there. And I think that was really motivating because from then on, I was like, well, I've got to find some more young people so that I don't feel so alone and we can work together on this. More recently, have gotten involved with gender equality related advocacy with the organization Girl Up. And that's really allowed me to bring together my passion for gender equality and climate action which are super, super interconnected. And I'm currently working with the UN Foundation and Girl Up to write a curriculum on that intersection between gender and climate and make it into a youth action guide that schools and and young people can use. So I'm super excited about that. Wow. Testifying for a climate bill as a high schooler, very impressive. If Alinka can do it, so can you. Here are some tips that she has for preparing for something like this or any situation in which you're talking about climate. But when I was kind of putting all those bullet points together, I also made sure to add why I cared and why I was in the room. And I think that that is something I always try to add when I'm making a speech like that, because oftentimes the majority of speeches and testimonies will be really just about maybe the facts, um, if they're factual. But it's also really helpful to just bring in your story and why you care. Um, And also addressing the fact that I was a young person in the room, which I think, as I said, gave that extra perspective. So I like to start with a bit of a story and then definitely bring in those facts, bring in those statistics. 
I definitely think it helped because it provided a perspective that wasn't really being talked about. So I think I was able to walk out of that room knowing that it did have an impact that I went to speak because otherwise it would have, it would have been a different conversation that didn't have such, I guess, a variety of thoughts in it. (laughs) I feel like for us as young people, when we have to make our voices heard or we are talking about these issues, I think we have a lot more at stake because a lot more of our future is occupied by the climate crisis than maybe the people in policymaking rooms. So it can be a little bit harder because of that with climate anxiety weighing in. Being a young person is actually an asset when I think a lot of people make it out to be something that can hinder you. So I'd say kind of that mindset helps me when I'm ever feeling any sort of self-doubt or imposter syndrome as a young person. The link between gender equality and climate change might not be immediately clear. Here's Olinka's explanation on why climate change is a gender issue. When you think about the climate movement and the people at the helm of it, um, if I asked you to imagine a climate activist, Probably someone would come to mind like Greta Thunberg or Shia Bastida. I think that's the first thing that I noticed when it came to gender and climate, how so many of these incredible climate leaders that I look up to are young women. And how when I started organizing in my community, I was also just surrounded by so many young women. That just really comes to, I think, the two main things about gender and climate. One, women and girls are disproportionately affected by the climate crisis in ways that I'll cover in a second. But two, they're also at the forefront of the climate action movement in so many ways. And they're a really powerful agent for change and one of the most underrated, I think, climate solutions. But when it comes to how they're disproportionately affected, 80% of climate refugees are girls and women around the world. When we see natural disasters and extreme weather events, Oftentimes, that leads to an uptick in gender-based violence and domestic violence, higher rates of child marriage. It's more difficult to access reproductive health care and contraception and sanitation and menstrual products. In, in America, that was made clear after Hurricane Katrina. We saw domestic violence shelters receiving many, many more calls in that aftermath. And these events are just happening more and more. And the refugee camps that climate refugees flee to can often be great places of haven, but also places that women and girls are inherently very unsafe in. And then we can also see how education is being impacted. Girls and women already spend 200 million hours per day collecting water. And that's a number that's only increasing as we see more and more drought around the world. And it's estimated that by 2025, climate change could keep more than 12 million girls from completing their education each year for reasons like that, Um, whether it's collecting water or not having access to menstrual products or enough water at home, more displacement, more responsibilities because the fabric of society is eroding as well as the climate. So to summarize, climate change is a gender issue because women and girls are often at the forefront of the climate movement in both leadership, but also climate impacts. So Alinka is working on a guide with the UN Foundation on gender equality and climate. So I was curious, what are the first steps in getting people to recognize the important links between gender and climate? One thing that I'm working on is just this idea that women and girls are the missing piece and that you yourself are kind of a missing piece in the action in your community and how you can kind of like take advantage of your strengths as a leader and what makes you unique and what you're passionate about and channel that 
into the movement. So I think it'll be, as we're working on it, a combination of education, but also action items and just concrete ways that you can apply that gender perspective to your work. Something that I've always noticed in the climate-focused circles that I've personally been in is that there are mostly women identifying people present, but this isn't the same at higher corporate and decision-making levels. The UN acknowledges that male overrepresentation on constituted bodies and on government delegations still remains an issue of concern. For example, they found that men spoke 74% of the time in UN climate change meetings between May and June in 2021. So, how can men be better allies in making space for women and gender-diverse people in the climate movement? I think, first of all, is recognizing that the climate crisis impacts everyone differently, and then that's, that's a fact. And it's something that is not only proven by statistics, but also just, like, everyday experiences. And I think the most powerful thing is just sharing your story, but also holding that space to hear others and how they experience things and how how that might be different from the way you experience it. I think that that's the basis of allyship and advocacy and building a movement is just holding that space for others' experiences and, and listening and using that as the foundation of your action. And then also remembering that, I mean, a movement is reliant upon that kind of collective action. And it's a space, I feel like, to, to leave aside any sort of your ego or I don't know, like your personal ambitions. And in a way, it's like a very collective kind of movement. And I think that that's always made spaces much more inclusive when you realize that you have that common goal and have that listening at the core of it. And I think just always looking at issues through an intersectional lens is, I think, one of the best ways to be an ally and to, to expand your perspective. I like to sometimes take an issue and try to understand it better just by mapping out all the way it connects to other issues and then maybe speaking to the people who have those identities that you don't and, and learning from them as well. Something that I've noticed when talking to people about climate, most people know that climate change is a huge issue, but they don't consider it the number one issue they care about. In fact, the Yale Program on Climate Communication surveyed about 1,000 registered voters on the issues that they cared most about in 2022, and of the 29 issues they asked about, people ranked global warming as the 24th most important issue when it comes to voting. There's so many movements to be a part of and issues to care about, like poverty and racial justice. However, Alinka was able to combine her passions for both climate justice and women's empowerment. Here are her tips for relating your passions back to the climate movement. That is such a great point. It can get very overwhelming with how many issues there are out there and how it's hard as an activist, especially as a young person, to dedicate time to multiple things because burnout in school and everything. So yeah, I definitely was very grateful to connect these two passions that I have when starting out, creating that sort of map with the issues you care about and trying to find the ways they connect is really helpful. I have like physical flow charts with just like climate and then branching out to the economy and world hunger and gender. And it's like really cool to see how it all fits together. Whether you find an organization or a movement that's dedicated to that intersection or you bring that intersection into your work, I think both of those are really valid and amazing ways to take action. So Girl Up is dedicated to gender equality, but I started talking about climate and organizing gender and climate related things and just trying to 
make friends with people who also were interested in that. And I think likewise with the climate movement, I've, I've talked to my friends there about this intersection as well. So I'd say you don't have to find that like perfect place that's addressing everything, but you can actually connect it to what you're already doing or to spaces you're already in. Or, or like I said, if you want to just create those opportunities for yourself to connect them and to bring a conversation into an area that's not really being talked about, I think more power to you. I, that would be amazing as well. These movements need to become more and more intersectional and that's at the basis of everything that we do. So definitely, I'd say, don't be afraid to bring it up and, and make that connection. Very wise advice. Speaking of wise advice, I was curious about Alinka's suggestion for action items related to advancing gender equality in the climate movement. So one piece of legislation that I'm really passionate about is the Women and Climate Change Act of 2021 in the United States. That act was introduced in the House, but it was never voted on um, and it never made its way to the Senate. So it's kind of just a piece of legislation that exists on the Internet. And I think it would be really great to champion this forward. One thing you can do is push for its reintroduction and call your representatives in, in the House and just mention this act and, and ask them to either reintroduce it or to just reconsider it and vote for it when it is reintroduced. Because this act is really important. It sort of lays a foundation for the United States considering gender and climate not as separate issues, but together. So it lists all the ways in which gender and climate are related and it draws attention to it. And then it kind of positions it to be something that's worked on in conjunction by different agencies. So definitely, if you have the chance to call your representatives about the Women in Climate Change Act of 2021, I would really recommend it. It could be at like the foundation of a lot of really great future action. Very awesome action item. If you're like me, though, you have at least a little phone anxiety. So here are Alinka's tips to actually talk to your representatives about climate policies you care about. As someone with major phone anxiety, I definitely have agonized over this in the past. I think what really helped me was when I talked to a friend who was actually one of those interns who was answering the phone calls. And she told me she was just as scared as I was to answer the phone. So... Uh, since then, I've called my representatives and I have indeed spoken to interns who are like two years older than me. And it's always been a super positive and easy experience because the people on the other end of the phone are so much more relatable and kind than you think. And that's really, really helpful. Again, as someone with phone call anxiety, I'll write little bullet points for what I want to cover or make myself a little script. They do keep a log of how many phone calls they get. So if you want to organize a call-in day or maybe call with a couple friends on the same day, they'll log that and they'll see that spike in interest about that issue. Also mention that you're a young person or that you're a constituent because I've gotten like letter responses to my phone calls from my representatives being like, oh my gosh, you're a young person. Once again, if you have different passions, don't be afraid to bring them together. I would also say that there is that very mainstream image of what an activist looks like and it's often someone holding a megaphone in front of a crowd of thousands of people and that's one very valid way of taking action but it's not the only one there's no single way to be an activist so you love art or music or writing or podcasts or literally anything you are bringing another puzzle piece into like our constellation of activists 
Let's summarize this episode. Gender equality and women's empowerment has a lot of ties to climate change. In addition to being important leaders of the climate movement, women and girls are often more vulnerable to climate effects. Climate change intersects with so many different social issues. You can definitely find a way to connect your passions with climate. As young people, we have a unique perspective on climate issues and should have a voice in decision-making circles. And as always, here are some action items for you to take away. Check out the Women and Climate Change Act of 2021 that Alinka mentioned. We will link it in our show notes. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Operation Climate. To stay updated about future episodes, make sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For a full transcript of this episode, head to our website at bit.ly slash Operation Climate Podcast. To stay updated about other Operation Climate things, follow us on our socials. We are at Operation Climate on Instagram and TikTok. And you can also sign up for our newsletter. You can find the link in our show notes. And we hope to see you next time. Bye.